Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm James Courtney. Tony Delberto. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now, here's your host, Craig Revell. V8 supercars look to sprint into 2013. Alex and Scott confirm they'll be on the grid and could the series return to China? That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Fiat Supercars have announced the format for the majority of the 2013 season. In what appears to be a complicated mix of sprint races and the Super Sprint format, which features a mix of hard and soft tyres. The Super Sprint format is two 60km races with a 15-minute gap in the middle. The first 60km sprint will see the drivers jostling for positions but not points. Their finishing position will be the starting position of the second 60km sprint and the podium and points will be awarded at the end of the second race. These races have no refueling and the second race starts with a rolling start double file. Townsville, Sydney, Sandown and the super cheap Auto Bathurst 1000s along with the Gold Coast 600 all retain the usual race formats. They haven't announced what will be going on in Auckland, Texas and Abu Dhabi. Fiat supercars could be returning to China, but not to the Shanghai circuit. The Gold Coast Bulletin has reported that the series has been discussing opportunities of racing at the Zhonghai track, which was built in 1996 and played host to the A1GP, FIA GTs and also the Le Mans Intercontinental Cup. There's been speculation that Dean Fiore might not be returning to the driver's seat in 2013. We asked Dean if he'd secured the sponsorship yet that will see him returning as a driver. Uh, no, I haven't found it all. There's still a massive hole to fill, so I'm working hard to try and do that. Um, if I can't, then I'll have, to, I'll have to step aside, yeah. It's interesting. We're in an economic downturn. Sponsorships are hard to find, but there are guys out there that do have the funding to be able to afford it. Yeah, it's, um, you know, if, if you can build up that relationship with, with some nice big corporate partners over time, then um, it's a good thing, you know. I mean, I've just sort of managed to stumble across a, a, an awesome partner in Jim Beam, but, um, you know, they've probably had their time in the sport at, at this level, so it's unfortunate for me that, that uh, it's turned out that way, but I'm grateful for the opportunity that they gave me this year. So, um, like you say, it's hard to get, but it's still out there. Looking at a cutoff point, do you have a cutoff point, a date, at all? No, not not yet. I mean, I, I just wanted to get Homebush out of the way and then see where we end up. 
with the last race of these cars. Do you think that uh, people might have a little bit different mindset about how they approach the race? Uh, possibly. Tomorrow is going to be interesting. And what about the business? You've learned a lot about the business before you came. Now you've learned about driving. But the business reality is that the model that you used when you were by yourself isn't the same model now because of the change in ownership. Has that been a key ingredient in the difficulties now with being able to support the team? Yeah, for sure. But, um, you know, the, the future's bright for V8 Supercars as a whole and it was a collective decision for us to all do what we did. And um, I stand by it and I think, yeah, like I say, the future future is bright. Just need to find the, the support to turn the wheel. Casey Stoner has spent some time in the Triple Eight Dunlop Series car at Queensland Raceway. Stoner has been linked with Lucas Dumbrell in the main game. We asked Dumbrell about his plans for filling the second seat in his stable. It's uh, there's a few things to talk down like getting the actual license um, secured. That was the the first big challenge. Now is working on some sponsorship um, uh, at the same time working on um, working on drivers. Alex Davison is set to make a return to the main game, linking up with the uh, number eighteen wreck of Charlie Swarkholt and his FPR prepared car of the future. Will Davison was coy about his brother's return when we spoke to him in Sydney. He's a very good shot so he definitely deserves it so uh, yeah it's, it's, it's looking pretty good for him. You can hear more from Will Davison on this week's Fujitsu White Flag Lab. Scott McLaughlin has been confirmed as the replacement for Michael Caruso at GRM. He was out on the track this week at Winton. Any, um, you know, advancement you can make and, and get to learn these cars is, is a bonus. So, um, you know, um, the team have done great to get one car out on the track compared to a few other teams that haven't got one out yet. So, um, you know, uh, I think we've got a good package there and we'll just keep working forward with it and um, I think we'll be in good stead for next year. Team manager Pierre Ossery has talked about giving McLaughlin his chance in the main game. Yeah, I mean, it suits us to a T. I think um, him being just 19 years old is, is, is pretty impressive. And it really works well with the structure we got and what, how we try and build the team around, around the young kids. And, and we're, we're delighted that, that he's, he's really keen as much as, as much as we are. Ossery knows it'll take the young Kiwi some time to get up to speed, but he's not concerned. Expectations, I guess, uh, can be a double-edged sword. So I think we just want to go um, at our pace and make sure that he gets the best equipment and the best uh, support that we can give him. And hopefully he'll, he'll progress um, pretty quickly. But as I said, it's, it's very difficult to put, put a number on, on whatever we would like to do in this game. Um, but I, I think he, he's very talented and, and it would be good to see him, see him progress pretty quickly. McLaughlin knows that the car of the future will be a huge step up from the Dunlop series and also the New Zealand Super Touring, which he won this year. It's definitely a lot harder than what I've ever experienced, and I noticed that at Sydney having a little bit of a run around there. So, um, you know, it definitely helps knowing how to drive these car of the futures, but, um, you know, I've still got a lot to learn um, in racecraft and pit stops, etc. And finally, the latest edition of VRX magazine is out now. Find out how the Davison brothers almost drove together at this year's Bathurst. You can find it in stores or online through the mag shop for the iPod edition. And that's the news for Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the entire range today at www.nobrac.com.au. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. 
taking the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week, it's the editor of V8X Magazine, Adrian Mussolino. Good evening, Adrian. As I'm sure is freelance journalist Tom Worsley. How are you going, Tom? Great, Craig. Always a pleasure to be on. And guys, interesting time. The season ended a couple of weeks ago, but we are still looking at a lot of news, mainly the formats for 2013. And I know, Adrian, you on v8x.com.au went into a fair bit of analysis of the different race formats for next year. Yeah, well, we sort of had to, given that there was a lot of confusion amongst the fans about what it all meant. Um, the release that the Supercars put out was a bit ambiguous, and fans weren't really sure what it all meant, and so we needed a bit of explanation. It's a very different format from what we've been used to the last couple of seasons, so uh, interesting, to say the least, really. Tom, the sprint formats, the 60-60s they're talking about, are you... You liking the sound of that? Uh, I am, but I'm not. I, I'm a big fan of short races and also long races. I think there's, there needs to be a healthy balance of both. Uh, but the having two short races pretty much back-to-back with essentially a half-time break, we saw it at Queensland last year. Not a lot happened in the first race. fair bit of action in the second race. Uh, I'm, I'm a bigger fan of, of the format that Perth has had the last couple of years. Have a race in the morning, maybe two hours, three hours in between, and have a, another short race. I, I think that's the way to go. And then a long race on Sunday, uh, almost back to what it was when I was growing up. I, I was always a big fan of of the the round format, not the event format. It is really mixed, isn't it, the uh, opinions of whether you should have long races or short races, Adrian. But when when you talk about the biggest events in the country, they're all long races, and Sandown and Bathurst being the traditional two, they're one big long race. Absolutely, and there's an argument to be had that, like a Grand Prix weekend, for example, it should all culminate with just that one long race on Sunday, and that's it. And I think that would um, that would go away from this thing of just confusing the crowd, where each event has a different format, going from a sprint 60k race to a 1000k enduro. Um, but in saying that, you know, the series does need to spice it up. Um, if it does produce good racing, then I think you know we'll all put our concerns aside and embrace the 60 format. Um, as Tom said, I'm yet to be convinced, so I think we'll have to just see the proof in the pudding. One of the interesting things, Tom, is basically only three races next year will... Oh, sorry, is that three or four races next year will have refuelling. Um, it's it's now become 
a non-event, really, the refuelling of cars in V8 supercars because they're, they're cutting most of it away. I mean, it's, it was always going to be an interesting one how looking looking forward on what direction V8 supercars took. I think that in some ways it's going to be um, be better not having fueling during the races. Um, we don't look at uh, Formula One. They don't have refueling during their races. And I'd, I'd say that this has been the most exciting year ever in Formula One. Um, so... Yes, strategy always does add an interesting element, but having no fueling, uh, no refueling in a lot of the races is going to bring a whole new element, and I think it's going to promote what fans want to see passing on track. Adrian, is getting rid of the refueling just purely because some teams were able to stretch the fuel mileage by, and in turn, were making it a slightly boring race in the eyes of certainly the drivers? Yeah, it's not just that. It's also remembering new manufacturers next year with different engine technology. So there could have been an unfair advantage there and that would have been very difficult to police and make sure there's parity across all formats. Um, so there's that as well. There's also an argument to say that the shorter race format suits TV better. It means that um, if, for example, Channel 7 retains the rights, which we still don't know if they do, it'll be easier to fit within the AFL coverage um, if there's shorter races on the Saturday and Sunday. Um, so there's a whole number of factors at play here. Um, the fuel races, you know, they again divided opinion among fans. If what we need to be promoting is racing on track, passing on track, so if it achieves that, then it's a good thing. It is going to be interesting to see how teams respond to the two 60-kilometre races on one day to 120-kilometre races on the next. And does it mean that we really have said round winners and race winners, it's all too hard, and no longer can we even think we're going to get any sort of coverage on the Saturday. People only want the Sunday winner. Adrian? argument with that I mean it's still this odd thing when you leave around and people ask you who won and you say well X person won on Sunday but then there was a different race on the Saturday and is there a round winner anymore I've you know moved away from that with individual races but I think this puts the balance back in sort of Sunday's the main races if you like so again it's sort of it's just confusing things really um we need to simplify the series and I don't think it's going to do that in this whole format. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's yet to be seen whether it'll work or not. Tom, do you think the punters are going to be the ones that are going to be completely left up in the air? Uh, yes and no. I mean, there's, there's always going to be a case of, uh, as, as Adrian mentioned, who won the round. I, I get asked the same question today as well, even though it's been years since we've had round winners. Uh, I think it, having the shorter races, if you're there, it's going to be a little bit easier to keep track of because you don't need to get your calculator to figure out who's who's in the provisional lead based on pit stops and who's, got, who's going to run out of fuel and, and that sort of thing. Um, but at the same time, I think there is going to be a little bit of confusion with, uh, with having the 
I guess the half-time break. Mm-hmm. I said it earlier. We we need to go to the two um, two races instead of this break. Mm. It's it's going to also uh, just uh, throw a cat amongst the pigeons because I I don't think they've announced yet the point scoring for it and. If you win the second 60, do you get as many points as if you win 240 kilometres on the Sunday, Adrian? Yeah, they haven't announced the point situation as yet, so you'd assume that the 120k race on the Sunday would be worth more. Um, you know, you'd think that'd be double, given the race distance, but um, yeah, it's, it's going to be odd, and that's going to be another thing that's even more confusing whereby you have different races worth different amounts of points. So, um, you know, they might just bite the bullet and say that every race is worth the same amount of points, but then you get that situation where, you know, how can you get the same amount of points for a 60K race than you get for a 1,000K at Bathurst? It's a bit sort of uneven there. So, um, yeah, that'll be an interesting one to see how they handle that. Um, hopefully they make it easy for the fans. Of course, Tom, the big thing is the twin 60s or the 60-60 super sprints. There's no points for the first 60K race. So the first 60K race is effectively a a qualifying race. Uh, I actually think it's going to be more more of a parade than anything else. um, If there's no points on on offer, there's only going to be a few guys that are, I guess, going to be risking it. the goal will be survive the first 60k so that you can push hard in the second 60k. It's going to it's going to basically. Do you think they got fooled into that second Sandown qualifying race this year, Tom? Where the second race with regular drivers was just guns are blazing and everyone going for it and it was really quite a crazy race considering they had to go 500 kilometres the next day. That was fantastic, that race. And anyone who is arguing that short races are a bad thing, uh, they need to go and watch that on on YouTube or whatever means possible. Um, I'm not sure if fooled is the right word. I, I think that there is a lot of merit in it. Um, and we've seen short races being really exciting. By the same token, we've seen 1,000K races come down to the wire as well. But I just don't think that they've done... They've looked at it from a from a whole year's point of view, and I, I think maybe they have been a bit ambitious going, this is the format for the whole year. Mm. Did What did you think, uh, Adrian? What... Do you think prompted this whole sixty sixty? Um, I think you're definitely right. That standard air qualifier race was a factor. But in saying that, um, Abu Dhabi, which were you know short races, were hardly entertaining and hardly set the world light. So you know they can go either way. Um, I think it could be a response to TV. It could be preempting the TV deal um, and making it easier for the races on Sunday to squeeze into the AFL coverage on Channel 7, for example. Um, I think it's just a way... I mean, let's be honest, it wasn't the most exciting season 2012. Um, same two teams winning. Um, the races were all a bit too predictable. I think this is a way to try and spice it up, really get some mixed results in there. So I think they're trying different things. 
they knew they had to move away from field races, so a return to sprint formats was sort of the most um, obvious thing to do. Um, so I think they're just really trying to jazz it up, remembering it, and V8 Supercars knows that there'll be more eyes on the series next year than in recent seasons, given the new makes and Red Bull, Car of the Future and all that. So, you know, try something new and see if they can get some exciting racing out of it. Mm. Well, we need to take a break here on the Van Insiders, but plenty more when we return. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Tom Worsley and also it's Adrian Mussolino joining us here. And, uh, well, one guy who's left V8 supercars in quite controversial fashion, he hasn't waited too long before he popped up doing some other racing. And he's been out there racing go-karts. He was at the Mount Wellington Christmas Grand Prix. And, uh, well, for someone who uh, doesn't want to race V8 supercars, he looked like he was having a lot of fun out there at uh, at the uh, Wellington, Mount Wellington, I should say, Cart circuit where, uh, of course, he had another win. Yeah, I mean, Sam Vegas, he's back in New Zealand and he's having fun, I think. I think the sort of the pressure's off now that he's announced his future, that he's walking away from Viet Supercars, sadly for us. Um, and I think, you know, you'll see him doing more of that. And it seems like he's, you know, trying to reclaim the lost years of his youth that he spent racing Viet Supercars and getting back to things like, you know, go-karts and rallying and he's into his quad bikes and all that and it's good to see him have fun, you know, obviously there's something weighing him down he wasn't happy in the environment in VS Supercars, so it's good to see him having a break from it all and Hopefully one day he can come back. Not bad special entry list when you have Shane Van Gisbergen and, and of course, the World GP3 champion, Mitch Evans, Tom, on the the card. I feel sorry for the other competitors. They probably looked at the entry list and went, oh, yeah, everyone's aiming for third now. (laughs) Um, uh, As as Adrian said, it it is a terrible shame that he's, he's not going to be in the series because he always was exciting to watch, but... I think it shows just how much pressure some of some of these drivers are under with with various uh, commitments and and that in the sport. So it, it's great to see him just, I guess, going back to uh, the the roots of motorsport and just having fun. Mm. It, it is going to, well. It has put up a very prime spot into silly season, hasn't it, Adrian? Yeah, that Stone Brothers drive is up for grabs, and um, it, it's interesting how a lot of the sort of Australian yeah, supercar talent really hasn't been linked to it. That there's just been this assumption that Erebus, given the AMG Mercedes connections, will go for a international driver. Um, obviously, Bert Schneider came out and did the GT race at Sydney, and talk was that that was a bit of a sort of audition and chance for him to come out and meet the team. 
Um, you've got drivers like Christian Clean floating around, and you know, really they they can sort of um, they can tap into a lot of the Mercedes AMG connected drivers in Europe. So it'd be very interesting to see who who ends up with that seat. Um, but yeah, I think money would be on an international there. Um, definitely, you know, a, a good seat to have given you're going to have AMG technology behind you and good team and Stone Brothers and now with the Erebus money coming in, so that could be one for the future. Mm. Of course, Tom, it's not only... Um, well, it's it's not only the seat at um, Stone Brothers Racing that's up for grabs, but there is still this speculation on a seat over there at Gary Rogers Motorsport with... Uh, you know, of course, Alex Prema testing the car this week, but uh, uh, a lot of speculation up and down pit lane that he won't be there come Clipsal. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, Gary Rogers has come out and said that he's he's not in any hurry to make an announcement on on who's going to be driving that car next year. So I have a feeling that it won't be uh, Alex Prema. And uh, I, we've already seen a, a, a very good recruitment for next year in Scott McLaughlin, and uh, I, I think for for Gary to get the full potential out of Scott, uh, he's also going to need an experienced driver who's been in the series for a little while. So um, I don't think Alex Prem is really going to fit the bill there, uh, and part of me thinks that there is going to be someone who is uh, looking for a seat uh, that has a lot of experience that will end up in at Gary Rogers next year. Mm. Adrian, what's your take at what's going on down there at Gary Rogers Motorsports? Um, he definitely has some options given the amount of talent on the market. I mean, you look at someone like Greg Murphy, for example, um, you know, you can't argue with his record and he would do quite well there, I think, and you know, Fabian Coulthard is free. Um, by all reports, he'll stay at Brad Jones Racing, but he's still available, and there's a, a whole bunch of other drivers. Um, but in saying that, I think Premier was brought in. You know, th- this year was always going to be a learning year for him, learn the tracks, learn the series. With Car of the Future next year, it's a car that will suit his style. It'll suit the internationals with the European experience. So, um, really quite confusing for me if not to put him in considering he's now going to have that year experience and he'll benefit from the new car um, but in saying that they've chosen a rookie in the other car so do you really want two inexperienced drivers in there hmm. um, it's a delicate balancing act for teams like GRM it is it's a tough balancing act too when you uh, see what can be brought to a team sponsorship wise by some of these drivers and Adrian I guess that's why the uh, Charlie Swerkholt seat going to Alex Davison has been an interesting one because we weren't sure whether money was going to talk or whether they were looking for talent. And, uh, and it's uh, definitely a case of they've gone for a talented driver over grabbing a, a fist load of cash. Yeah, and also an experienced driver over a rookie, given that Tasmoster was definitely in contention there, given his FPR links and... I've gone for a driver who he has experience um, not only in VS2 cars but in Porsche career cups which you know if you believe the drivers 
um, the car of the future drives very similar to a Porsche craft. And he's also driving something to prove, given, given that he's sort of been in and out of the supercars for the last few years. So, um, interesting choice. It also interests me to see, obviously, with his brother in the same stable, how that all works. Um, but no, I think definitely a good choice. He'll keep it clean. He won't make any silly mistakes. And that's what you need if you're a Charlie Shercock paying the bills. You don't want a, a driver who's going to throw it in the wall um, quick, but sort of inconsistent, I think. Dave, I will bring it home consistently. Mm. Of course, Nis... And Sorry, Tom? It's also good for uh, for Will and Alex's father. He can just get an FPR shirt next year instead of having his uh, his famous split shirt that he normally gets around in. Yeah, although one's going to be Pepsi and the other one, uh, I haven't heard if the sponsor is announced on the Schwerkolk car yet. Uh, Adrian, have you heard an update on that? No, no news as yet. Um, will and Wood Davis and Mark Winterbottom will be in Pepsi colours. Dave Reynolds will be in Bonlo. Um, but no word as yet on the sponsor for Davison's Shercott entry. He does bring backing of Roma Caravans, but um, I doubt they'll be title sponsor. I don't think they have that sort of budget. But, um, yeah, interesting to see who ends up there. Um, remembering as well that there's so many teams on the grid with unconfirmed title sponsorship packages next season, so um, a lot to play out there. Yeah, there is a lot to play out there. Lucas Dumbrell is an interesting player in the pack because Taz Douglas has got a contract for next year, but Lucas doesn't sound like he's 100% committed to Taz, and he also has a second seat now, which I think most people are believing Scott Pye is going to slot into after his great development series year. But, uh, Tom, do you think Casey Stoner, who's up testing on the Gold Coast this week, might be uh, bumping Taz out of his drive? Uh, from a marketing point of view, yes. From a practicality point of view, I, I, I'm going to have to say no. I think that um, while Casey Stone has shown that, yes, he is quick in a Vert supercar in a previous test, I don't think he's quite at a level to take on the main game. And Casey Stoner being Casey Stoner, if he's going to give it a shot, he would want to win. So I think that realistically we're going to see Casey Stoner in the development series if he is in a V8 supercar next year, not the main game. Mm. Well, I know, Adrian, we spoke to Casey at Sandown and he said there was no way knowing you'd put a bet on him to be in uh, the main game next year, but certainly the the speculation has changed. Yeah, it, it's an interesting one. Um, I agree with Tom. I think it's a, a step way to... It's a too big a step, really, to just jump straight in the main game especially when you have the development series there, when he can get, jump into a triple eight Commodore, you know, learn the ropes. It, it's such a big step from two wheels to four wheels. Um, he would just be jumping into the deep end by going in the main game. Um, he could always slot in Lucas Dumbrell, given the triple eight links there. Um, I'd say Scott Pye will end up there. Taz seems to have a contract, so but that situation's a bit murky. And you've also got um, Tim Blanchard and drivers like that, Carl Reiner on the market with budget. So um, interesting to see there. That, it could all depend on what Triple Eight decide, remembering it's sort of um, they're the ones who will probably make the call on Casey. 
Now, whilst Lucas D'Umbrell has been in the spotlight for perhaps getting Casey Stoner, of course, the other Triple Eight team, which is the Techno Motorsports entry, it's also hasn't confirmed. Michael Patrici, they've been happy with, but he's you know he's a realist and he knows that he hasn't got the money out there to compete with the Rhinelers and and others. Yeah, that's another thing which will depend on much considering that team ran without a title sponsor all season. So, um, again, there's no word yet on who will sponsor that car. Webb's a definite, obviously, it's a family team, but I'd say that second seat is up for grabs and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it is a Reinler or someone like that um, who can bring a sponsor with them and help fund that drive. Mm. Tom? I mean, you... You only have to look at, at this year. It was, there were solid performances from both drivers. However, uh, if you look at the, the sponsorship that was run on the car, I think all but one of them was you could link back to connections that Patrizzi brought. Um, however, I think if someone said, we can, we can promise at least one car with full sponsorship next year, I think the seat would go to those. And... Uh, haven't heard any plans from Carl Reindler yet, so it possibly might be a Fed Income Sheds car coming out of Queensland next year. Mm. And most people who are in and around uh, uh, Sydney, the Car of the Future stand on, I think it was Friday, everyone saw Moff trying out uh, or having a good close look at the Nissan. And of course, we know that uh, Caruso is heading off to Nissan as well. So that's why we're not speculating on who the other two Nissan drivers are because they're all but as good as announced, Adrian. Yeah, that seems to be a, a done deal. They're just waiting for um, sponsorship matters to resolve themselves and that'll probably be announced in the new year, but that definitely seems like the case that you have James Moffat and Michael Caruso go into the two Nissan cars um, with Norton sponsorship. Um, whether that's going to be across the two cars or just the one... I, is yet to be determined, um, but that seems like that's the case. Um, so two good findings there, and um, interesting to see how they go relative to the Kellys as well, considering you know new new drivers into the team and, and drivers who are really sort of on the up, if you like, and who have shown a lot of promise but not quite delivered that consistency. So um, definitely a big step for them into a factory team. Yeah, it is indeed. And I think the other driver that we're possibly overlooking is uh, Steve Owen who now that his car well, now that the REC that he was running under with Paul Morris has been sold have to ask questions whether he'll still be in the sport next year I, I hope he is I, I think he's very talented and has some money attached with him with BIP Pet Foods as well so possibly another potential to go to uh, uh, Techno it is going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. But, uh, Tom, Adrian, thanks for your time this week on the show. And, and it is getting close to Christmas, so I'll wish you both a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Same to you. Thank you. And if you want to know more about the two Davison boys, VADX had an article. You didn't plug it during the show, Adrian, but uh, it was an interesting article about how they almost drove together for the Bathurst 1000 in this year. Yeah, um... It was when uh, Alex Davison lost his drive with Stone Brothers at the end of 2011 that um, Will tried to talk him over to become his co-driver for the endurance events at FPR. And, yeah, the feature de- details that and their sort of different paths in Viet Supercars and 
Um, so it's definitely an interesting feature and uh, sort of timely now considering their teammates. Mm, that's right. And, uh, well, we've got Will Davison on after the break on the white flag lap here on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lap, after his victory at Sydney, we caught up with Will Davison and congratulated him on finishing off the year in the perfect fashion. Will Davison, great way to go on to a uh, three-month break is with a win. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, it is great. And uh, importantly, to uh, win the final race of this era um, is very special for myself and for FPR and Ford as well. So uh, that's definitely a stat that no one can ever take away from us. Uh, but importantly, it rounds out what's been a great year. We've had a few too many ups and downs, uh, but all in all, it's been a very positive year. So um, for sure to finish the uh, the year with a win here at Homebush, which um, I really was passionate about because I've led here pretty much the last four races, um, but I've had three DNFs and just everything would go wrong. So finally today, uh, everything went right for me. It's one of my favourite tracks, but it's been so cruel to me, so definitely pumped to get a win today and um, you know, for all the boys to go into the off-season with a uh, smile on our faces. Have you got a word that sums up your year? Uh, no, I don't have a word. I think uh, I wouldn't even say up and down, to be honest, when you've had 18 podiums, um, eight wins, eight poles. Definitely not up and down, but uh, it's been extremely uh, encouraging, I would say I think we've proved a, a real point that we're a serious force as a team, and uh, as I said, we haven't quite, we didn't quite step up mid-year like the others did. But uh, you know, we've got relatively new continuity, and it's only getting stronger. So uh, I think it's been incredibly encouraging, and um, I think um, you know, I think we're, we're you know we're a real force to be reckoned with. Last year, you had to learn the car, you had to learn the nuances, unlearn probably some stuff you had at FP uh, HRT. This year, was this a stepping stone you wanted or was it below where you were shooting for? Oh, it depends. It's very difficult. You've always got to reassess your goals. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, start of the year, if someone had given me these statistics, I'd be happy. But uh, mid-year, I was leading the championship. So, of course, I'm disappointed. I dropped way too many points at the big races. But having said that, at those races, I was still proud of the performances I put in at Sandown and Bathurst. I was pole at both of them. I had race-winning speed at both of them. A lot of things didn't go my way out of my control. So, um, end of the day, yeah, we can be proud of our performance. We didn't quite piece the whole season together, which is very difficult. I think Triple Eight had their best year yet. I think this is their best performance yet. And I think we've challenged them more than anyone else in a long has in a long time. So, um, uh, at the end of the day, uh, yeah, I'm proud of our stats. This is what I needed to do. I needed to put my foot back down as a real challenger. I think I've uh, proved a real point what I can do. Still got to tidy up a few rough edges, but at the end of the day, I think I've proved myself as a real championship challenger. Will your brother be under your wing next year? I uh, hope so. Certainly hope so. I think he's a very good shot, so he definitely deserves it. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's looking pretty good for him. And what about for yourself? Christmas, New Year period... You've got the boys working their asses off getting cars of the future ready. What do you do to match that level of preparation? 
Uh, well, first thing you need a good holiday before you start uh, preparing for next year. But uh, yeah, definitely, um, you know, we'll do a little bit of work already before we have a holiday on next year's car of the future. Uh, do a test day and make sure we go into the off season prepared. And then I'll for sure let my hair down for three weeks and not think about racing at all. So then when mid-January comes around, um, you start your training again, uh, you're fully charged and pumped and excited to get back in the car. So um, as I said, it's a very draining, long season. We're all a bit spent right now, but uh, come mid-January, like I said, I'll be fully charged. Have a great Christmas, and we wish you all the best for next year. Cheers. Thank you. My thanks to Andrea Mussolino, also to Tom Worsley, and, um, of course, there, Will Davison. As the checkered flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders, till next time round, keep smiling, and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.